We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Through the book of Galatians, and this is the fourth part of this series, as we're going to learn a little bit more about what Paul has to say to the churches in Galatia. And we've been looking at the outline, and we've learned that in this outline, we have learned that this apostle, Paul, was appointed to this office, if you remember, not by man, but by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, unlike many other books in which Paul wrote, Galatians is a bit different in the way that it was structured in the beginning. Paul begins right off the bat with not blessings, with not uh, building up, so to speak, the readers in this letter, but Paul jumps right in into admonishment to these people in the churches of Galatia that are scattered. Paul's desire is that they understand that this perversion which has leaked into the church, which was brought about by these Judaizers, was not something that he wanted these people to adopt. They had been adding to the gospel message, those Jews, if you remember, that were claiming rank among the Gentiles. And saying that, that Paul was, was not who he claimed to be. Paul was a false teacher, they say. Paul didn't have the authority in which he claimed. They were the ones that said, hey, we come from the Jerusalem church. We are the ones that have the right message. And so they came in claiming that Paul was not only that, but also a people pleaser. And we've seen Paul's defense since the beginning. Chapter 1, as we saw his defense against his apostleship in the first verse of this book, as he states that it wasn't from man that he was given this office, but of God. We see his defense that he's not a, a people's pleaser, as, as last week we saw, that if one was trying to, to, to get the attention of people, it wouldn't be a message that was sent out to accursed those that preached any other message than what Paul did. Instead, Paul wants us to know that it's him that has been given the authority by God. And he's trying to draw people to that and away from those Judaizers, from their persecutions, and that trying to make us realize that they are the, really the ones that are being people pleasers. And now this week we will see Paul's defense against the gospel of man. He wants us to understand that this gospel is of God, not of man. We see Paul stand up for this gospel that was given to him by the Lord just like his apostleship. And so if you will this morning, turn with me to the book of Galatians and let us begin by looking at chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. And you know... I want to make sure that being that we're here at 9.30 this morning, I'll make sure to have you out by 12, right? <laughs> no, I won't do that. Well, let us turn this morning to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I'm reading from the New American Standard. You can follow along if you'd like on the slides. For I would have you know, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was taught it, but received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I had to decide, do I want to preach basically verse 11 all the way down to, to 24? And due to time, I don't think we have that to do. So I took this section out of that. But that really fits together. That really, all of that chunk fits together. But today I want to look at two things. Two things that I think will help us understand. And I think really important, grasping this small passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, we must understand what he's saying in a whole. Basically what Paul has just said in this verse of Scripture is that this gospel that I preach, this message of good news which I've already once delivered to you, was not second-hand information given to me, but, but first-hand personal experience straight from the source itself, and that was Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I don't have a second-hand knowledge about this gospel. I have a first-hand experience. And I think it's important to get right into it this morning. And I want to ask you personally this morning, do you have a first-hand relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Or are you living off of a second-hand religion today? Maybe someone has told you in your life that if you just live a life that's okay and it outweighs the, the, the bad, then at the end of the line, everything will be all right. Have you got a first-hand knowledge of God? Or is it merely a second-hand knowledge gotten from another source? Because the truth be known, listen, second-hand knowledge of God, when that's all that someone has leads to a distorted view of God and will end up leading to an improper application of God's truth. And so it's vital that we ask ourselves this morning and in our walk with the Lord about that. Is what we have of second-hand knowledge... Do we live off of other people or do we live within the confines of our own personal relationship with our Savior and Lord? That's really the major part of what Paul is trying to make through these verses today. And as I give this message and try to show that Paul is, is trying to make it clear and defend the fact that this gospel message that he has preached is not something he gained from his own knowledge, not from some outside source or, or by some emotional experience, but instead it was directly from Jesus Christ Himself. It was not something transmitted to Him by the means of some type of tradition from father to son or from one generation to the next, nor by means of instruction from a teacher or student. Paul didn't need a religious Jew to teach him the gospel. He didn't need a rabbi. He didn't need another apostle to give him this message. He didn't need anyone outside to help him understand the mission that he was given and the gospel message that he preached apart from Jesus Christ himself. I believe that there are a few things we can get from this text today that will help us. first thing I want us to look at and understand that Paul is trying to say is that we must know what the what of the gospel. We must know the what of the gospel. And secondly, we must know the where of the gospel. I don't know about you, but for me to know what someone is talking about, 
And to know where they got their information from is pretty important in if I buy into it or not. And sometimes the source himself, he's either valid or not. And here, these people are trying to distort the view of Paul and so he's trying to validate where and what the gospel was about and where he got it from. And so, first off, we must know the what of the gospel. Why is it important that we know the, the gospel that Paul preached? Why is it important we know what gospel he's talking about? Are there other gospels out there for for people to grab hold on and to be led into? Well, Paul has already touched base on that. If you remember back in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. And then he clarifies, "Which, which is really not another Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So so really there is only one gospel. Paul's already made that statement. And Paul is making a defense against the gospel of man that's being offered by the Judaizers to the churches in Galatia that are distorting these Gentile Christians. And many of you here this morning say, Look, I, I know the gospel, Pastor. We've heard the gospel over and over. We're in a, in a media-filled, driven society in which we hear the gospel message preached over and over and over. And we understand it. But Paul here is having to go over the same fact with these Christians in, in the Galatian church again about the gospel. Because many of the so-called Christians had fallen prey to the gospel. That was... It was taught by Paul. That was not taught by Paul, excuse me. And those we learned were to be accursed. And so maybe, just maybe this morning, there may be someone here that needs to hear the gospel again. And maybe God has been tugging on your hearts and maybe you've been running away from God's calling in your life. And so you need to hear the gospel again. Maybe you need to hear it for the first time. The one true gospel. Or it could be as you and many others and myself that are already Christians. We just need to be reminded of this grace, this gospel message that's been given to us so that we can be encouraged and we can be strengthened and we can be reminded that it's not the things we do that keep us in unity with God, but that it is the gospel message that keeps us there. He says here in verse 11, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. And so what gospel was it that Paul preached? Romans 1.6 How many of you know it? Raise your hand. It's our memory verse for the month. We put it up for the month. Our objective is to try to memorize that. Everybody should have raised their hand. It's kind of a trick question. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Gentile first and also to the Greek. There is that word again, gospel. What, 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 what is the gospel? Well, if you will... Take a 
stroll through, back up a, a few books of the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you don't have your Bible this morning, that's okay. We have slides for you. I encourage you to bring your Bible. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we learn here that, that Paul had a purpose. There was a specific task that Paul was sent out to do. And for those that want to claim that, that, that baptism ser- saves, let me tell you, this hurts their theology. They don't know how to fit this into their world. Circle in your Bible this morning. Underline it because it's important. And when you meet with somebody, I want you to be prepared to give an account. Here in 1 Corinthians 1.17 it says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Paul had a purpose. It wasn't baptism, but it was to preach the gospel. Let me expound on that just a little bit while I'm there. What did Jesus tell Paul on the road to Damascus? When Jesus appeared to him, He said, hey, you're persecuting me. What's the deal? And Jesus said, listen, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And Jesus is speaking to Paul. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they can receive forgiveness for their sins. How? By those who have faith in me. Those who are set apart by faith in me. Did, did Jesus miss something? If baptism is the, the methodology in which we are to save, did Jesus miss something there? No. Jesus told Paul what he was to do. He said, this is by faith in me. Sorry for that rabbit trail. Paul was called, listen, first and foremost, specifically to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see again, That word gospel. What's the gospel? Well, now turn with me. Same book, just a little further down in chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. This is the same book, same message, same Paul, same context, good hermeneutics, let Scripture interpret Scripture. And now we begin to see what the gospel is. If we know Paul's method, Paul's purpose was to preach the gospel... And we want to know what the gospel is now. He's going to tell us what the gospel is. He says here in verse 1, chapter 15, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. There we see it again. Which, Which also you received. They had already received the gospel. He had preached the gospel to them. In which you also stand. It's the gospel in which we stand as Christians, in which we fulfill what God has called us to do as we have success in the Christian walk. And he says, by which you are also saved. What saves this morning? The gospel. Anything added to the work of the gospel is a damnable heresy. And we don't need to look to that. We need to look to the gospel by which you are also saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. And then he goes into the gospel. He says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. What was it that he received? 
Receive that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. You want to know what the Gospel is? There it is. This is what Paul is saying. That the Gospel this morning is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is the power to save. It is the purpose of His calling. And this is the Gospel message. That John 1.1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And in there in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we learn about this Christ and His sinlessness and that He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And then we find that He that lived this perfect life became our sin by going to the cross in Luke 23-34 we see but Jesus was saying there Father as He hung on that cross forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and our Savior hangs there on the cross for you and for me and for all of humanity and then there in Luke 23-46 Jesus is crying out with a loud voice and He says into your hands I commit my spirit and having said this He breathed His last breath and He laid down His life He says for I delivered to you as of first importance what I received that Christ died He laid down His life that we might have life and not only have life have life abundantly not that we might be wealthy, healthy, and wise, but that, that we might be find our joy in Jesus Christ. And there in John 19, we find an empty tomb, which no one had been laid there yet, and then Christ was placed. For I delivered to you that of what in first importance, what I also received, that Christ died according to, this, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried. He was placed in that tomb. But the Gospel, remember, it did not end there. It didn't stop there. What was Paul preaching the Gospel? It didn't end there. Because if you remember there in Matthew chapter 27, as, as, as those chief priests and those Pharisees approached Pilate and they said, Sir, remember, do you remember that when this man was still alive, this deceiver, they're calling Jesus a deceiver, after three days he said, I'm going to rise again. He says there in verse 64, Therefore give orders to the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise... His disciples may come, and they may take the body away, they may steal it away so, his people, so that the people say, He is risen. And then the last deception they say will be first, worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, Hey, you have a guard. Go, make it secure as you know. And so that's what they did. They went and they made that grave secure. And along they set a guard there and they sealed the stone close. And Jesus was placed in that tomb. He was there, He was sealed, and it was shut. But listen, the death couldn't hold Him. It couldn't kill Him. The grave couldn't hold Him. When we come to Mark 16, we see there in verse 4, it says, they stood there, looked up, and saw that the stone had been rolled away. And they entered that tomb. And as they did, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe. And he was sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. And, and, the, and this angel said, don't, don't be alarmed. Don't be scared. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. But what does He say? He has risen and He's not here. 
And so we see Paul saying, For I delivered to you what was first of importance, which I also received that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the very gospel message in which Paul is referring to that he did not receive from man, but from a revelation from God. This is the message of hope in which Christ offers to you and to me and to those who have yet to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ there on Calvary took and died for you and paid your debt. And all you have to do this morning is believe. Believe the gospel. Believe what? Believe that He died, that He was raised on the third day. This is the gospel which Paul preached and it was not according to man. I like what he says here in the first part of verse 11. He says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. You could translate that first part where he says, I would have you know, you could say this, I want to make it perfectly clear. Paul's saying, listen, I don't want there to be no mistake about what I'm fixing to tell you. I want to make it perfectly clear. Then he uses the word brethren. And among the Jews, the word brother, if if you understand, was used for for many members of of families and tribes and sects and sects. So, So it was a personal, it was an intimate address to these people. It was an affectionate way to address the people, the churches of Galatia. And Paul is telling these folks, listen, the gospel that I preached already was not according to man. It's not of human origin. It was not thought out by people. But there are some that want to claim that it was. And I can tell you today, we still see it in our day as we did in their day. We will hear people say, oh, this gospel message that you Christians offer is just for man. It's it's for the weak people who can't deal with reality that there is no God that exists. But here Paul tells us, the message I give is not for man. It's not made up by man. And so while it's it's important to understand the gospel that Paul preached, secondly, we must know the where of the gospel. Where did Paul come up with this gospel message? Where did he learn it? Where was he taught it? Did it get handed down through some type of tradition? Was he taught it by some rabbi through some type of rote repetition? That's how they learned in those days. That's how these Judaizers lived their lives, through rote repetition. You know, they, they were handed down from generation to generation of what they were taught. They received it from man, but not Paul. Paul didn't. And that's his argument. I didn't receive it from man. It's not that Paul, listen, didn't know anything about Christianity. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, Paul knew enough about these Christians to persecute their faith. He obviously didn't believe in what they believed. I mean, he had many of them put to death. He had heard the claims of the gospel and so he sought after Christians. He wasn't blind to these faithful followers of Christ that he encountered. He knew what they believed. And during this time, we need to remember that Paul is defending himself against what these Judaizers are are claiming against Paul. They are claiming that he is a people pleaser, if you remember. 
That he's creating a gospel that is more palatable for the Gentiles, telling the Gentiles that they don't have to follow the laws and to celebrate certain festivals. And a matter of fact, they, he's telling the Gentiles, you don't even have to be circumcised. And the Judaizers are going, uh-uh, that don't work. The problem is these Judaizers were the ones that were taught by men. And anybody out there that offers you something or adds to the gospel or offers you another gospel is taught by man. That's that's what happens in all of these cults in which we experience in our daily lives. They add to the gospel. And what is one thing that they have in common? Is a works-based salvation. Listen, that's taught by man, not through Scripture. And so really these Judaizers... He's calling these people out as he's talking about this very thing. Paul is saying, listen, I'm not like these guys you're following. They're the ones who are receiving the second-hand information. They're the ones getting the things from man. Not me. They're the ones that are teaching things that have been handed down from rabbis and from generations and from teachers to students. But me, he says, I've received my message directly from the source, the creator of the true gospel message, and that is Jesus Christ. And that should give you, and that should give me more confidence in to stand on the word of truth in which Paul has to give us. And that should give us confidence in this that this message is error-proof. He says here in verse 12, he says, For neither received it from man, nor was taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It was through a revelation of Jesus Christ that Paul got his message. And what's the underlying theme of, of the book of Galatians? The under, underlying theme is salvation by grace through faith. I mean, that's this whole deal. That's what he's trying to point it out. And so we see basically in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, we see him fighting to defend and to protect against his apostleship. Because listen, if we can belittle the messenger, if we can distort the messenger and discredit him, then his message is of no value. And so he spends his whole time in chapter 1 and chapter 2 defending his apostleship, defending his message. And then we see there in chapter 3 and 4, he begins to fight against this heresy that's crept in, this work salvation by the law and he's protecting salvation by grace through faith and then in chapter 5 and 6 we see him fighting for the Christians to understand listen we are free from the law we have freedom from the law and we are under grace how can Paul understand this this is this is completely contrary to everything Paul has learned in his life Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was selfish. He was a man pleaser, a Christ hater. And it takes us back again to what happened there on that road to Damascus. And there we saw Christ in that chapter appear to Saul. It seemed like his life there on that road was changed. Things begin to change. Let me tell you, if Christ busts through this wall right now and it's shone bright as a light and He says, hey, listen, i got something to say to you. I think we'd all be changed a little bit, wouldn't you? Paul was a changed man. He saw things differently after this experience. 
He had a message, he had a mission, and his revelation, listen, didn't come from man, but from a Christ that had risen from the dead that had appeared to him on the road to Damascus as he shone brighter than the sun. Now I want you to understand this, that when God reveals His Son to you, when God opens your eyes to the truth and the goodness of the message, you will be a born-again believer. It will be so clear to you as the S-U-N. And He will shine bright the message of truth. And when you believe, Christ will listen, will change your heart from the inside out. You will begin to see things differently than you saw before. And so we need to look at our lives and say, listen, over the last year of our life, where have we been? Have we been here? Has, has our progress gone upwards or downwards? Have we been in a state of drifting or a state of growing? Because when Christ comes in to change us, listen, it's not a joke. He comes in and changes. He makes us a new creature in Christ. That doesn't mean we won't have struggles. But when we do, we're convicted in the heart to change and to repent and turn to God. And so we have to question that. I think it's important, Hebrews 12, let me, let me just pull that up real quick. It's not in the sermon, so just bear with me. But Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 is a, is a great picture of this very thing in which it warns against sliding backwards as Christians. And he says this. He says here in in chapter 2 verse 1, he says, for these reasons, because, listen, because the salvation that we've inherited, that word inherited is like, it's not like, you know, uh, we got it. No, it's something we give, and we, it's something that we didn't earn. It's something that we have, were given. Listen, when I leave my kids, if I ever leave them anything, and they inherit something, they won't have earned that. It will be something I will leave to them. God has given us an inheritance of salvation, and you know what? Sometimes when we receive that inheritance of salvation, sometimes we don't appreciate it as much as we do when we work for it. And we have to be careful as Christians. That's what he's saying right here in chapter 2. He says, for this reason, because we've inherited it, we must pay close attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. And Paul understood that. Paul was changed. Paul understood his gift, his inheritance. And he wants to make sure that we are aware and that we are changed. I want to ask you this morning, is your knowledge of God this morning second-hand information? Or have you personally experienced Jesus Christ? Have you been feeding off of second-hand information? Or are you getting your diet from God's Word yourself? Have you believed in the risen Christ this morning? This is the message, the one which Paul received from God. 
This is the message in which He's preached all the time that if you would believe in the one true Gospel, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that He, God, would give you life. That this inheritance in which has been brought forth is given to us as Christians. Not something we earn. It's not how many times we're dunked. It's not about how deep we're dunked. It's not about how much we're sprinkled. It's got nothing to do with anything you've ever done in your life. It's got nothing to do with how good you are and how many things you've got checked off for your righteous list. It's about the works and the power of Jesus Christ to save us and make us new from the inside out. So that we can be a byproduct of God's conversion, a regenerated Christian, that we can reach out into this community and and touch the lives of people. That's what Saul did. Saul was transformed into Paul and Paul became a preacher of righteousness. He preached the gospel to people. Let me ask you this morning, when's the last time you shared the gospel? When God changes us, listen, you don't have to have the gift of of evangelism to share the gospel. We've all been called to share our faith with people. And if this truly resides in us, if we truly have a burning fire within our soul that Jesus Christ is our life, He's our sacrifice, He's everything, when is the last time we've shared our faith with one individual from beginning to end? And if you can't recall it, you need to question yourself. Do I have a true burning? Has God changed me? Because when God changes, He makes us new creatures in Christ and gives us new desires. He is the risen Christ and He is worth living for. And Paul understands that he didn't receive this message from man, but from God. It's not about what the friends that you have had told you. It's not about what mom and dad has told you. Though that is important, we need parents, kids to listen to their parents. But when it comes to spirituality, this is where we get our information from. It's not about anything that we've been told outside of the source of Scripture. It's not anything we've created in our minds that saves us. It's not about what our school teachers say. It's about the message that Paul did not receive from man, but from God, and has delivered to you, to me, And now we have to make choices in our lives. We have to make choices every day. Are we going to remain in the same state? Or are we going to keep drifting backwards in our walk? Are we going to continue to grow and and move forward as we allow Christ in His great power that's given us everything, remember? Pertaining to life and to godliness. And He's given us everything we need to move forward, to grow in sanctification, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Well, I want to ask you today, would you be willing to turn around today and allow the second-hand knowledge of God to no longer be, no longer exist, to no longer bring about wrong applications of God's Word and to let us begin to obtain first-hand experience with God through His Word, through a vile living relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to close with a thought about a man named Job. And in chapter 42, verse 5, we find an intriguing, an unbelievable message, a statement that I believe will help you, will help me, and will help every person in this world begin to understand and desire to know God personally on a first-hand basis. As Job says here in verse 5, listen to what he says. He says, I've heard of you by my ear. I've heard of you by the hearing of my ear. 
I've heard of this, this, this great King of kings and Lord of lords. I've heard of this great message of hope, but I've never experienced it. But something happened to Job here. This never happened before in his life. He says, but now my eyes have seen you. You see what happened? He just went from secondhand to firsthand experience. And it wasn't until he went from secondhand knowledge about God to firsthand experience about God that he began to understand. And he began to grasp the impact of this Almighty God that we have. It's no longer secondhand. Let it now become firsthand experience. Would you today believe the gospel message of Christ? The gospel truth. Would you believe and begin to experience that personal relationship of living a second-hand Christian life and, and allowing God to move you in ways in which you would never imagine? Will you this week begin to open the Bible and read it? And allow God to work. You see, as a young believer, when I spent my time in, in God's Word, He began to show me who He really was and, and, how really, and, and how really was and how He answers questions that I had directly through His Word. You see, what happened is I went from secondhand information that a pastor was given and I began to experience firsthand by my time in the Word of God. And then we can begin to see the reality of this God that we worship and how much He loves us and how much He cares for us and how much He doesn't want us to stay where we're at. I pray this week that we begin to experience God in that way in my life and in your life. Because this world will offer us things to distract us in every corner of life. We have to make a choice. Will we let it distract us and continue to live secondhand information or we begin to experience firsthand the true God? Let us pray.